Hey, hey, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rut the Docs podcast. I am Jared Morgan down here in Australia. I'm a product owner and technical writer uh, and many other things as well. <laughs> Just depends what I feel like. Um, joining me today are uh, two people, not three. We're, we're down one today because Carly is not feeling very well, unfortunately. So we wish her the best of luck recovering. Uh, we have Tom Johnson. Hey there. How are you going, mate? <laughs> good, good. Things are going well. I'm based in Santa Clara, California. Uh, we just had a, a pretty cool event up here called TC Camp. It was like an unconference. So it was some, awesome. it draws about 100, 100 people, but it was a fun event. That's awesome. Sounds great. And over in Berlin, we have Chris. How are you going today, Chris? Guten Abend. <laughs> so how are things going in um, in the late evening over there for you? Uh, cold, but not as cold as it could be and should be. So I, I don't know if... Well, that's, that's a good, good thing. That. <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Well, hey, Chris, today... Oh, sorry, you oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, just rand randomness before we jump into our topics. Chris, you're, you're in Berlin, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen this this uh, video series called The Man in the High Castle? I've seen it, as in I know of it, but I haven't actually watched it. <laughs> uh, I was just curious what people think of it in Germany. I mean, it's this premise uh, that how would the world be if uh, Hitler had won the war kind of thing. And it was it's interesting. Moderately pragmatic about these things, like Vida um, Da, uh, which was the thing about uh, Hitler being resurrected, and that was quite satirical, was quite popular. Um, hmm. <laughs> and they've actually made it into a stage play here as well. <laughs> so they can be reasonably satirical about their past. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. At least they can have a laugh at the past. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, it, yeah. There was some pretty bad stuff going on there, but I think hindsight... Let's go too far into that topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On that note, let's start talking about <laughs> what we're going to actually discuss in this uh, week's podcast, which is trends. So the trends for 2017 and beyond for our little community of technical writing uh, and other related things. So... What sort of things are we going to see um, technical writers either evolve into or continue to do in 2017? So there's lots of things that we can probably talk about here, but um, uh, let's, uh, I guess, kick off the discussion. Now, Chris, you had a, uh, a suggestion about um, a possible trend for 2017. Do you want to um, talk a little bit more about what you think might be happening there? I think, and I will uh, preface Pre preface, preface, <laughs> this is saying that sometimes, especially here, and I would possibly guess maybe similar in Australia, that sometimes trends here are a bit behind trends in the US. So I may say something as a trend and Tom's like, what? That was happening here three years ago. So, you know, some, sometimes we might be a little bit behind yeah. or ahead. Who knows? I think um, you're definitely right there, mate. But we, we do like that. Yeah, I heard a lot of topics. Um, at the Write the Docs uh, Europe in September last year. Uh, and I've heard of a few other people here doing that, of moving tech writers into different sorts of departments than just engineering or product. Um, this relates a little bit to maybe another trend we'll discuss later, but um, I guess that trying to figure out where writers go, and especially in smaller companies where you're one person, 
um, you sort of get moved around a lot before people figure out where to put you. And I guess one of the ideas that some have been trying, and it depends on the company, I guess, is um, putting writers in support departments because firstly, you then actually hear kind of more directly what people are having issues with and where there's gaps in knowledge. And then as you kind of get a more direct uh, relationship between success, because then you hopefully see that your work has an effect on reducing some of those queries, et cetera. Mm. Um, and that's just one. I mean, there's a couple of other like sort of developer experiences, a bit of more broader kind of um, area that some writers are being put into as well. I guess it kind of depends on the products. And I guess the two of you, I mean, Tom, you're at a sort of fairly mixed company in terms of product and customer um, something or engagement and um Jared, you're sort of, I, I don't, well, I know who you work for, but I don't really know quite what you create there. So, <laughs> so, so, so um, yeah. Well, I, can clarify, I can clarify what, what we create at um, Labbrokes. Really, Labbrokes is an online gambling company. So what we're doing is we're kind of creating entertainment. We're creating basically a way for people to spend a bit of time, um, you know, having a bit of a, a guess about what's going to happen with sport and horse racing and stuff like that. Um, so it's interesting where I started at uh, Labrokes and where I am now. So I started well and truly aligned with the technical team um, in uh, the company. The, the reason why they brought me in was they had a code base that, well, it really, it really wasn't well documented at all. And there was a bit of a problem with knowledge management in the company as well. They just introduced Confluence and they were playing a big catch up game basically. So they got me in to try and um, rein that in a bit. And I think in some ways uh, I, I actually might've sort of failed to do that because it was just such a big job for one person that it's sort of like you, you could start eating the elephant, but, you would never finish it because there's always so much content. And I think um, getting, I'll, I'll, I'll dovetail back in here because I'm going a little bit off track, but just bear with me. <laughs> um, I think what we really need to see is uh, as technical writers this year, as potentially another trend is to um, encourage developers to write um, and actually contribute. Because in the case of Labrokes, there's actually about 20 writers here. If they would actually learn how to write and we could actually help them learn how to write and all that. You know what I mean? So I think perhaps... Did you, did you, say, did you say 20 developers there that are trying to write? Okay. No, there are, there are 20 potential people who could actually oh, contribute oh, to documentation. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I don't note the word potential there, Tom. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, we would... They're, they're really not enthusiastic about doing any sort of documentation. Um, I'm even having trouble getting them to commit to like fixing up um, PHP doc comments using PHP documenter in the code. Because one of the things I did this year was actually automate all the PHP docs across the entire code base, um, which is interesting, but probably too long for the conversation we're having here. But um, they, they were even having trouble committing to doing like fixing maybe three errors a week across the code base from the generated content. It's, that's the sort of thing I'm battling here at Labrokes. There's just not a culture of documentation here. And 
as a writer, it's really hard to actually force that upon people or try and get them to adopt it. And are you um, documenting slash the team you're working with creating uh, code for internal use or external use? So LabWorks, um, we really have two interests. We've got the, the internal product that we use to manage the business, plus we've also got the front-facing sort of websites and apps that people use to place bets and, and gamble. Um, so the, the front-facing websites are predominantly where the company focuses their attention on um, because it's what brings the money, of course, whereas the internal products, mm, not so much. So um, they're sort of second fiddle a lot of the time. I'm trying to change that in my role as a product owner um, for internal products, but I'm finding it a bit of an uphill battle at the moment. But I'll get there. I just have to keep on chipping away. So would it make sense to you to be in a internal or external facing support department or not, do you think? I think there would be definite advantage for me to be in a an external facing department, which I could easily get. The, the structure here at LabRacks is good in that it's fairly flat and I can go and talk to the senior leaders of the, the client services team. Um, really easily. So that wouldn't be a hard thing to overcome. You're right though, seeing the, um, I guess the the frontline stuff that the customer service people see all the time from customers, it's it really does drive how we, probably how we communicate things internally um, at Labrokes within either the products or within some sort of Confluence page that you know helps people work around problems. Like, because I guess I'm a technical writer as well, it's and sort of a product owner for the internal products, I get to see both sides of the story. So as you know, uh, I see that you know clients are having trouble doing something um, perhaps in the front end, so then I can work out, well, where is that failure happening? Is it something in our back end that's making it really hard for um, the client services team to do something or administer something? Um, Therefore, do we need to change it in our internal management product um, versus in the front end? So it's, it is useful to actually have both sides of the story, isn't it? Huh. Hmm. So um, Tom, what do you think about that whole idea of embedding people in, um, in a different department? Do you see that a lot where you work at the moment? Um, you know, as far as embedding technical writers in support groups, uh, I personally haven't ever been embedded in a support group and I don't really see that many tech writers embedded in support groups, but there's definitely a, a push to try to collaborate more with support and to, uh, break down the silos between these different groups. Um, I think, uh, let's see, who was it? Neil Kaplan gave a presentation on this at a, at a write the docs event. It was really good at talking just about the need to uh, really understand and work with support. Um, but but as far as like where tech writers are embedded, it's really all over the place in terms of what I what I've experienced. I, I like to be embedded in engineering only because I feel like it's the most powerful group in the in the organization. <laughs> but right. but uh, you know I wouldn't be opposed to being in support. That's a whole other topic of discussion. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. I'd imagine because your company, 
basically, correct me if I'm wrong here, but their prime businesses are offering API um, access to their product, correct? That's like the product. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, yeah, it depends on, on what it is. I mean, it, there's a lot of different products, a lot of different types of things. The one I'm currently working on primarily is like Fire TV stuff. And mm. the main the main push for uh, my role is to help developers create apps that they'll put on Fire TV and then draw more business to Fire TV. So as well right. as to that person who developed the app, you know, it's a win-win kind of situation. Um, but yeah, I'm... I'm what am I? We are, we're, I believe we're in engineering. Now that I think about it, I'm not entirely sure. We're sort of our own group, but I think in the larger organization, we're embedded in that. You know, one thing I, I have noticed in, in terms of where writers are embedded is that uh, it makes sense to embed the writer with the team they're going to be working with. Uh, you'll see more and more writers who are, who are not centralized as a group of writers, but rather they're, um, they're sitting with a specific agile team mm-hmm. and so that they have that co-located mm-hmm. uh, closeness and and they get the information that's always been my uh desired location is to sit right with the engineers the problem is it only really works for small companies when you have larger companies like right now they're they're i i could sit with a team but they would only be a small fraction of what i work on there are dozens of different teams on fire tv and they all have different documentation to contribute at different times. So there's really no one place to, um, there's no one team that I would be with. Uh, but in an ideal world, that's what works out best for a lot of people. I think in yeah. some ways, the one team that you're with is is really the Slack thing that you're actually hanging out in. Like, which Slack group do you hang out in? Because <laughs> you're quite right there, Tom. Like, it's, we the business is globally distributed now. And I know certainly when I was working at Red Hat, we had a technical writing division in Brisbane, but really like the engineers were in Europe, US, all over the place. And really it was IRC that linked us together as a team. So things like Slack and those sort of things. (laughs) No, IRC in in Red Hat is basically IRC and Red Hat are peas in the pot. That's, yeah. It's how I, they do things. We I have people. <laughs> sorry, just I mean, before I, you go there, uh, sorry, Chris. Yeah. We at Red Hat, they we have people there who are using Slack through IRC. <laughs> no, I've heard about this trend. This is another trend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, what you were going to say, mate? Oh, actually, I mean, it's it's. I just I think sort of not wandering too far off topic, but I mean, I've I've been with a company I consider big for me, but it really isn't. Um, it's like 80 people and I've been in three teams in four months. So, <laughs> and that's, I mean, in some respects it, it hasn't, it doesn't really matter so much because I haven't really changed what I'm doing. And in some respects it's good because it meant, it's meant that I've spread the message to more people maybe. <laughs> mm. And maybe encouraging more people to, to write stuff. I don't know. I don't know if that was the intention, but that's just how it's worked out. Oh, interesting. Well, I think we might, I think we've definitely covered that idea. I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, I'd be interested like, where to, we fit to, in. to, to, if there's any others. I, I think it works from a lot of cool, sort of more full on service companies, I guess. So let's see what people say. Yeah, definitely. If you've got any ideas, um, 
uh, people listening to this out there. If you've got any ideas about um, that topic, we'd love to hear from you. So come on to the um, the podcast channel um, and um, have on a... IRC. On IRC. Oh, <laughs> 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 on Slack IRC. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just let us know your thoughts about that. Um, and uh, we'd love to hear what you think about that. In fact, anything we talk about in here, because it's we want to start the idea and then hear what you guys think. So um, let's uh, use it as a way of kicking up discussion. So speaking of discussion, let's have a think about the next topic that we'd like to uh, discuss. And this one is one that I had a bit of, um, a, well, a wish perhaps for 2017. And that is that um, docs will actually be thought of and planned um, at the planning phase rather than towards the end of the planning phase. And what I mean by this is, this comes down to product managers and product owners understanding the importance of the user assistance um, and onboarding content and essentially using technical writing as a marketing tool as part of their product that they're developing. Now, I think, personally, I think this takes a bit of an extra skill um, from product owners and product managers. and it really requires them to be aware of the importance of technical writing up front. So I'll ask the question, what do you think we need to do as technical writers to help these people, product managers and product owners, get the importance of, of documentation early? Because I think that's going to be a key driver to making this thing work this year. Hmm. It, I, I think that... Um... There's definitely like uh, a strong need for for this to be a more of a trend, right? And and whether uh, whether this plays out in um, product managers incorporating technical writers earlier in the process, or just allocating the resources uh, at the right time, or I don't know, whenever they're needed. And really pushing forward as a champion of docs, uh, I think they're both kind of aligning under the same trend. I, I, I do think that uh, docs are are huge, um, at least in in like developer documentation. Um, I think they are sometimes a product, really, aren't yeah. they? Like they are the thing. Yeah. Yeah. API documentation is all about that, right? Yeah. Um, so I haven't run into too many scenarios where people just like completely marginalize the documentation. Um, it, it does happen every now and then. You run into the product managers like oh, nobody reads the documentation and blah blah blah. <laughs> they don't really know what they're talking about. Like anybody who who who's like got some experience and and understanding in the industry tends to also value good documentation as a way to onboard new people and get them ramped up. But as far as like early on, that's that's always kind of a dilemma, right? Um, if you get involved too early in the product phase, you end up expending a ton of bandwidth in all these meetings where the signal to noise ratio is really low, meaning a lot of yak, yak, yak about stuff that doesn't really impact docs until until later. Like they could be talking about database design and oh, this and that that. Really, maybe unless you have a strong voice in shaping the product, these meetings too early could be somewhat of a just drain on your time. Yeah. What do you think about that, Chris? I don't know. I definitely agree with the point 
but I don't necessarily know if I have a, an answer. I think I kind of agree with what Tom says in that, yeah, I guess good product managers and product owners is probably the better drive of it to know to involve you when necessary and to know the benefit. And in theory, I mean, if we're talking about a software project, then the perspectives of everyone should be considered early, really. Um, That's right. And, yeah, I, I guess I'm going through an experience at the moment of a sort of slightly more traditional point where they were thought about but not excessively, and now we've realized the importance of of the the, the important the the problem with that yeah. <laughs> uh, just just that now it's impacted the use of the product in that the fact that the documentation was a slight afterthought or just not very cohesive and now we're starting to rethink the focus of the product around yeah, but you know, I work for a startup, and that's how startups work. You just go, 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 and then stop, and then think, and then reverse a bit, and then go, go again. You know, that's kind of how startups work. So, yep. not unusual. Um, you know, I, I have some more thoughts yeah. on this. So, <laughs> I think yeah. that that you should, you, we as technical writers, need to kind of change our mentality from expecting to be pulled into something to a push mentality where. Or not a push mentality. What am I trying to say? You have to push yourself into some of these spaces if you want want to be there. Um, I don't think a lot of project managers will purposely exclude writers or forget them. It's kind of not necessarily on on their radar. We're not on their radar. Um, I know in my role at, at Amazon, there are tons of different teams, and a lot of them don't even know who I am. They they may know that that yeah, they need to get documentation out there at some point and then they'll have to figure out who to get who to go to but it's really sort of my responsibility to insert myself in the right places by following um, following like updates to the wiki space to see what's mm -hmm. going on and uh, being aware of like what's on the roadmap at a higher level and uh, I connect with certain people who have visibility across many of these teams and can clue me into hey this feature's coming you know this is a person you want to contact. So I kind of push myself to them rather than expecting them to just automatically include me. Um, and that, that sort of works out a little bit better because uh, then I don't feel left out when I'm, when I'm left out, I don't feel hurt or like, like uh, nobody values tech com. They never include me. They never tell me anything. No, it's like, uh, I need to be sort of investigating all these different activities and see what's relevant. Yeah, I think you're right there, um, Tom. I think the, I think probably one of the things, the trends of 2017 is I think uh, technical writers to an extent might have to actually start thinking of becoming internal marketers themselves <laughs> because there's definitely a trend there. there I've, I've felt it exactly the same as you where, you know, you're in a company, even the size of Labrace, which is around 250 people here in Australia, you know, if they sometimes people don't even realize I'm here either and I'm on the same floor as the engineers <laughs> we're all on one floor and it's about it's really about the communication isn't it it comes down to broadcasting what you do and making people sort of getting to the point where you're, you're nearly 
annoying people enough that it becomes annoying, but not quite enough. So you sort of turn it to 11 and then just dial it back one. So you're at 10. So take, <laughs> taking, I'm going to take kind of what you've been saying as a thread and then run it slightly into one of my other topic suggestions because I think they okay. kind of fit together from where I am. I mean, so I work in a company that's effectively developer tools as does Tom, but it's a company everyone's heard of, so it's possibly slightly different. <laughs> but in that, there's now um, there's so many kind of developer-focused tools now, there's a lot of competition. So I actually feel like here especially, again, being slightly behind the US, they're definitely a trend. I mean, I would say that, that the, the, the topic where we started was more of a hopeful trend, but this is definitely a trend I've seen is that um, tech companies here are now understanding or seeing the necessity or not just the benefit, but the necessity of communicating technical subjects to other technical people, be that through technical writers, developer relations, technical blogs. I do a lot of technical blogging and I've had a crazy amount of companies asking me to write blogs for them recently and uh -huh. seeing just job ads for tech writers and developer evangelists and stuff like that. So just actually, yeah, communicating the subject to the right audience in the right way. Uh, and that's definitely a trend I've seen here. And again, I say we're always a little bit behind the US, so it possibly sounds outdated, but it's certainly a trend here. Like if job ads and just discussion are anything to go by, it's a trend here. Just, yeah. So from the future, Tom, what do you think about that statement? <laughs> oh, there's, there's from the future? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, there, there was definitely a huge push from Scott Abel and the conferences he's put together to fuse mar content marketing, content strategy, and tech com kind of all together and to bring primarily to bring marketing and tech com together because mm. we have a lot of the same goals and we have similar content. And yeah, um, writing a blog post could just be one uh, way of doing it, but another way could be like, you've marketing has a webinar, uh, you could incorporate that webinar into your docs or provide documentation as part of the webinar. I mean, there's this idea that, that we're generating content and that content is interacting with customers at different touch points, pre-sale, post-sale, um, and uh, we shouldn't silo ourselves and, and, and resign ourselves to only kind of post-sale experiences, but, getting involved. So yep. yeah, this, this emergence of uh, marketing and techcom is definitely a, something that is hot. Now, personally, that's not really a, um, uh, I, I personally don't get really excited about like jumping into pre-sale experiences and involving marketing because uh, marketing is hard as hell to work with. Um, like in every <laughs> company, they, they, they write differently. You can't just single source your content. They have different expectations. They, they, they have different tones. I guess part of me as a yeah. blogger, um, there's always something about marketing that I've found somewhat distasteful. I love transparency, <laughs> honesty, you know, the real story. Give me something a little controversial, something interesting, you know. But marketing, regardless of how you sell it, they're trying to they're trying to promote the product. You know, even a white paper is pushing you towards the idea that this is our product is the solution and i don't know maybe that's what turns me off about it but it's definitely a, a trend towards that certainly 
I definitely agree with you about um, <laughs> the difference between marketing and technical writing copy. I had actually had a go here at LabBrokes at one point. I think I was running a project and they needed some copy for the basically the the how-to for the product. And the how-to goes up onto our, our customer sites and apps and it describes sort of like in very terse, uh, very terse language and um, with a lot of graphical sort of stuff as well, what the product does. And there was like this whole, you have to write um, what the product is, what it does, and basically what the value is. And I approached it from a technical writing standpoint and <laughs> the the creative director just went, no. And I said, okay, <laughs> well, what, what would I need to do to convert this from more of a factual um, account into marketing? And then, he was sort of telling me that, you know, uh, what you've written is technically true, but we need to make it exciting. We need to put more sizzle, <laughs> more sizzle into it, basically. And so I had to go at rewriting it, and I got it to the point where it was actually ready to go. Like he said, yep, I'd, I'd include that in the docs, but it was you had to completely switch your brain around when you're writing marketing stuff. It's like you're selling the sizzle, you're not selling the sausage. And I think technical writing in some ways is the sausage, and marketing is the sizzle. I had the same experience doing that sort of thing. This is like uh, a long time ago. Somebody hired me to write, rewrite the copy on their site. This was a side job. And mm -hmm. It was like bi biometrics, right? So it was kind of techy. And I was like, yeah. And I, I was totally very detailed and accurate and clear. And the feedback I got from the from the people was, or from the the managers was, I, I would hope that that the copy would sound more excited about the product, you know? And it's like, yeah, sorry, I don't really do that. I can't communicate excitement. I don't know how, I don't even know how to do that anymore, so. <laughs> yeah, facts are, facts, are, facts are easy. Excitement's hard. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any other thoughts before we um, flick on to the next topic? Because we are running, a, well, we're actually getting through it pretty quickly today. So uh, any other closing thoughts for that particular topic about, um, from anyone? Not right now. Mm, okay, we can always circle back to it if we think of something cool that we want to add. So let us go on to probably the final topic we have time for, and that's um, some um, comments that uh, Tom um, makes. Tom, do you want to go through what you think your um, trends are? Yeah. Uh, for 2017. Yeah, I've actually been thinking about trends a lot lately because I usually do like a trends post, and a lot of times people contact me when they have a trends topic so I'm somehow associated with like having an idea of what trends could possibly be but this year I was I was really kind of trying to figure it out and nothing was coming to me but now uh, after reflecting I'm pretty convinced uh, on, on some ideas but first let me say that I think there are different trends for different roles uh, there are different trends for people for tech writers involved in developer documentation and API docs, and there are for technical writers in other circles. If you're if you're like doing video doc or something, that's you're mm. going to have different trends. So, primarily, um, I think that the market uh, for techcom, especially in the Bay Area, has shifted more towards developer doc and API documentation. There's a huge interest in that, partly because people recognize that this is where the security, where the money, where the job opportunities really are, at least in the Bay Area, is some 
somehow related to the more technical side of documentation, usually yeah. with APIs. Um, and so there's there's been a, a lot of interest in that. And and my trend prediction for last year was that we'd see a lot more uh, API docs and or or that APIs would continue to proliferate. So. As a consequence of people getting involved in developer documentation, what we're now seeing is this treatment of docs as code, where people are um, working in text file formats, they have a text editor, they're using tools like Git to collaborate instead of a CMS, they're using static site generators to, to publish out the, the help site. Uh, in extreme cases, they could even have the documentation be part of the same repositories where the code lives. That's uh, even the ultimate marriage of the two. But in general, uh, just this uh, general trend of docs as code is really becoming more common in, in developer documentation roles. And um, this is also partly because the content is so technical sometimes that you need the engineer to collaborate Maybe they, the engineer writes an original draft. Maybe they play a larger role. Uh, but when you start working more closely with engineers, um, you, you tend to uh, get pulled in with their own tools and environment and how they want to work. Um, and especially if they're contributing a lot of like the descriptions of all the API endpoints and, and the parameters, um, then uh, you're, you're kind of at the mercy of how they want to contribute that. They're not going to... They're not going to work in XML and data and, and interface with your big content management system. They're going to deliver things to you in text files and in more developer-centric ways. Um, you kind of just got to roll with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're plugging yeah. essentially what you're doing is, I think what you're saying there, Tom, is you've got to plug into their ecosystem, not try and dictate the ecosystem to them as a technical writer. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and, and this has created some some challenges, particularly with, with tools when tech writers get into static site generators, uh, it's a whole other world. Um, some things are suddenly really easy, writing in Markdown, and it's so easy to build the page and deploy it. And and at the same time, you run into other challenges like, how do I get search on my site? And I need a really more robust navigation menu. How do I do that? And how do I keep track of all these topics? They're just loose files in a, in a repository. Yeah. You know, and so uh, there's lots of challenges. And, and so there's like a spark of interest in, in kind of making a go at the docs as code route, as well as a spark of frustration and, and need for more guidance in terms I've of I've definitely found that. I've found that definitely. Um, when I was, the upcoming talk I'm doing for the Write the Docs Brisbane conference is all about embedded help in a product that wasn't designed for it. And to do that, I've used open source tools and, and static files and, and using like GitLab Runner to actually create a static site. And it's almost like there's a new category emerging. There's DevOps, but there's also DevDocs. So <laughs> in the same vein as there's writers out there that because of the, the tooling and everything that we're using now, we, have to, we sort of have to learn some coding stuff like HTML and learn about static site generators and how everything hangs together. And it's, it adds a huge amount of complexity to to what you need to do as a technical writer. But at the same time, it opens up new avenues. And I think um, the biggest thing I learned last year was that you should definitely befriend your your DevOps people because they get stuff done uh, and they can help you out with tooling and stuff that you would probably never be able to do and integration into the, um, the frameworks that the developers use. 
And also find out those developers that you're working with that are actually pro docs and absolutely leverage that relationship. <laughs> what about you, Chris? What do you think about this? I'm going to uh, take this topic and run with it because yep. I mean, I'm newer to, to this than you guys. And also I come from a loose developer background. So to be honest with you, what you're describing is what I've always done. I don't know any different. Um, so yes, <laughs> I agree. But I um, mean, um, and I'm perfectly happy with it. And in fact, I prefer it. Um, I've I've tried looking at data and things like that, and I just it's too much for me. I, I prefer it keeping it in Markdown and things like that anyway. Um, but the things I've been looking into, and I've been uh, consolidating a lot of the ideas today, actually, so it's fresh in my mind for a talk at FOSDEM here in Brussels in a couple of weeks. It's a big open source conference mm -hmm. um, about uh, taking that to an extreme. And again, I, I'm working on an angle of appealing it to developers, of trying to uh, hook on the angles that they will find attractive, which is automating the shizzle out of all sorts of things. Um, <laughs> Uh, spelling as code, grammar checking as code, um, some of the wonderful things you can do with screenshots and all sorts of crazy ideas. Even, here's a crazy one for you that I've been playing with recently, videos as code. Oh, <laughs> you're going to you're have to share something about that with us. Uh, that's that sounds very interesting. Obviously there's, obviously, there's no people in it, but... <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's, I mean... It's one of the things I love about kind of doing it all as code is that you, it's for me, it's going the other way. It's like it actually opens up my writing to be able to link in with so many things. Interactivity, yeah, video, auto-generation of stuff, having more consistent um, examples and things because it is code. There's not like you don't have to replicate bits of text. It is a bit of code that you've just used in multiple places. So, yeah, I think for me I'm going almost the other way, like, I don't know. Let the robots <laughs> do the work. If the robots can't do the work, let the robots do the just, work. You know, um, yeah, I, I guess automating the stuff that um, developers find tedious and focusing on the human stuff, focusing on the explanation and not the <laughs> other bits and pieces that code can do really well. So. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a great point there, mate. I'd love to. I think we will all like to hear more about what happens um, in your year. With yeah, that. sounds very interesting. A lot of it is sort of some crazy experiments that don't quite work yet, but <laughs> get there experiments there. now. By the end of the year, yeah. they'll be just part of the workflow. <laughs> so, Tom, what do you think about that, mate? Uh, well, we actually had a discussion yesterday at this TC Camp Unconference um, about about some of these, these same topics. And uh, we're talking about how Microsoft had, had moved away from MSDN, their, which was uh, traditionally a, an XML architecture, mm -hmm. to more of this um, Markdown-based open source platform uh, that that's built with a static site generator. You make commits and it builds and so forth. Um, and uh, we sort of were wondering with, about whether these systems that use Git and static site generators can really scale and how they overcome a lot of these challenges. And the conclusion was that pretty much all these groups that implement Docs' code end up doing some custom programming to get the functionality yeah. they want. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like 
that that little intersection of where you suddenly have to do custom programming can offer freedom, right? If you're if you excel in there or if you have resources to do it, you can suddenly build cool new things that, that exactly fit what you need. Uh, at the same time, it can also become a roadblock if you're like, well, in order to do this validation, you talked about um, like grammar checking, style checking through a, some through the code. You know, uh, if if you have to write a regex expression or something, some some plugin to do that. That's that's like sort of more than I want to do. Yeah, um, roadblock right there, so, right? And another <laughs> silo, another future silo. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So anyway, it's 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 <laughs> ah, burst my balloon. No, I get it. <laughs> uh, I really, I think it's something that, and again, it, if you face these sort of problems, I don't think it needs to be a blocker. You just need to think laterally. I mean, we're good as technical writers about thinking laterally to solve problems. I think a lot of the time because we have to. Um, so you, it's times like that when you go, okay, I need this thing. I can't do it myself. Mm. What networks have I? created inside the company that would allow me to do that thing or perhaps think laterally outside the company. Could I actually outsource this particular piece of the, the puzzle and actually get something that meets requirements perfectly? There's um, a danger. There's a danger in having like your developer friend code you something or or even outsourcing it. If you have some custom piece of code that's really complex and, and you don't really understand how it all works, if it breaks, you're screwed. Or if like, <laughs> if suddenly you have to, you know, if if if, if your uh, doc architecture is this really complex system that only you understand because you built it, um, the other writers tend to feel very uh, in a precarious situation. This is why people yep. feel a little more confident with tools like Flare or Oxygen. They know that. Uh, they're developed and maintained by another group. They, they may not have any ability to like change internal workings of these tools, but at least they know that they're not going to have the, the rug pulled out from under them when they. It's essentially a framework, isn't it? Like the the tools offer a an assured framework about how something is going to work, and then if you understand that and you've worked out from a business perspective that that's the sort of framework you can use to do your documentation, then it's a great fit. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, speaking with you guys uh, has actually encouraged me to go and try some of these other tools I've never touched. I mean, like Madcap Flare, for example, I haven't been able to because I've never had a Windows system. Um, <laughs> now, now strangely, I do. Um, really, but I found to well. Both, both now. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going cold turkey on the Mac yet, um, but <laughs> you, could read, you could read one of my blog posts about this. Um, okay. <laughs> almost with an intention of being able to try some of these other things as well that I haven't been able to before. So, uh, I, yeah, it's you know, I'm kind of going back the other way. <laughs> I think, um, on a personal note, I think that's one of the things that were that I found that I did badly last year, and that was open my mind to the different things that are floating around out there. Like, you know, I see all this talk, for example, about restructured text, and I discounted it because, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I prefer ASCII doc as a way of um, writing documentation. That's not to say that there's anything wrong at all with restructured text. It's just that because I haven't had a need to use it in anger, I don't know what it can do. So... <laughs> Um, it's it's one of those things that's difficult, isn't it? Like you you sort of fall into the trap in some ways of using tools that you're comfortable with, and there could be another tool out there that 
is even better than what you're using now, but you will never know because you don't have an opportunity to put it into practice. Yep, yep. And actually, so his his uh, his kind of loosely going back into a topic that Carly suggested, but she's not here, so I'll hijack it ever so slightly. Uh, <laughs> half the reason I decided to uh, spend a few months this year with like, Windows and Linux was to get an impression of other things that were available and the paradigms and how they work and break down my 25 years as a Mac user. And, oh, my God, has it been hard. But, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> <A bit. laughs> but, um, but also you learn a lot of different things and even just casting aside some assumptions. Um, there's been some things I've discovered that a lot of people are guilty of assuming that, yeah, that mm. could also do with getting off their max. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, I think that's a, a personal trend you should set yourself for the year is to try, try some new things. Yeah. 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 I think you're We're right. Still in January, so it's not too late. <laughs> that's right. Just don't make it a New Year's resolution because it'll never happen then. <laughs> uh, it's not June yet, so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so I think in closing, we might... Um, uh, unless you've got anything else to add there, Tom, we might... Um, uh, no, I'm good. I'm moment. good. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of food for thought for you guys out there that are listening. Um, think about, from your perspective, what you can do this year to make a change. It, it doesn't matter what it is. It's as long as you think about something that you can change in the way you work today that will maybe improve how you communicate with different teams, maybe improve the way that you um, consider tools um, and maybe even forge new relationships within your company. Um, there's lots of different things you can do this year and there's, um, I think the most important thing is with trends is that they are just that, they're guesses in a lot of cases of what we think might be going on. So perhaps in the day-to-day -day work that you do, you can actually make your own trends and then perhaps they will be talked about in 2018. So, bravo, bravo. <laughs> so there you go. The, the takeaway from this is make your own trends. Be that person that makes your own trends. Be the trend. Be the trend. Yeah. Be the trend. Be featured in Tom's blog post for 2018. <laughs> okay, well, let's wrap it. But before we do that, let's talk about the ways you can contact us. First of all, you can go to podcast.writethedocs.org, and that's our, that's our site. That's where you can find out more about us, the episodes that we've um, done in the past, which at the moment is two, but they're growing every month, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Um, you can find out more about us and what we do, how to contact us as well, and also subscribe via many, many different methods, iTunes, Stitcher, and um, you can watch videos of this recording on YouTube if you want to see our faces. Um, believe us, that we have very good faces for radio, which is why it's better to listen <laughs> to <laughs> Speaking personally. Uh, so uh, the other way you can do it, of course, is um, come and join us on Slack. Um, on Write the Docs. It's a great community. It's um, full of enthusiastic technical writers that love what they do. And it's not just technical writers either. We have people that are actually coming in that are developers that want to learn about how to document things. And the most important thing about Slack, Write the Docs, is everyone is welcome. Same with the Write the Docs forum, which is writethedocs.org forward slash forum, I think. Um, you can sign up there and sort of communicate a little bit um, sort of 
more traditionally in a form setting if that's preferable for you. But the most important thing to remember with Write the Docs is to just talk and look and interact however you feel because um, it is a service for anyone that writes basically. So um, that is the uh, episode for this month. Join us again next month when we will have more topics to talk about. Um, and if you've got any suggestions, let us know because we'd love to hear the ideas that you've got um, and the things that are bubbling around in your minds um, for discussion topics as well. So get in touch with us however you like. And we look forward to seeing uh, you next month. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. And thank you, Tom, for joining. Thanks. We'll see you next week or next month or whenever we get a chance to all get together because time zones are hard. Until then, take care and keep on writing. <laughs>